Welcome, beautiful soul. This is the BU Podcast, where you hear topics and guests that empowers and guide you on your journey to stay in the present, become healthy, authentic, loving, and abundant. And today's topic is finding our authentic self. Deepak Chokra said, No project is more valuable than finding your true self. I remember watching a TED talk by Caroline McHugh, and she said, Your job is not to be anything like any other famous uh, or influential person. In fact, your job is to be as unlike them as you can possibly be. Your only job while you are here on the planet is to be as good at being you as they are at being them. That's the deal. So thinking about that, have you ever met someone and thought "Mm, that person knows exactly who they are? They are confident, decisive, and passionate. They have an unstoppable belief in themselves and their vision for the world. They have not only connected with their authentic self, they fully embrace them. Well, you can also experience this sense of fulfillment, but first you must learn how to find yourself. Finding thyself is a ton of work, truly is, but it gifts us a life that is fulfilling, purposeful, and passionate. So I think to start, uh, that you know there are steps how to go through this process and the first step is mirror it's mirroring it's a reflect on our own story our own past because as we talked about in the first episode our past created our present and our present creates our future we are the product of our past Everything uh, that we do is the reflection of the story we tell ourselves. Um, the very belief uh, we have formed beginning as a, as a baby, as a, you know, in childhood, when we so wanted to earn the love and attention of our caretakers, our parents, the grandparents, anybody who, you know, who raised us up, who was always around us. All these events and experiences in our life since then and everything we think we know and understand about the world around us influences our story way into our adulthood to the end of our earthly life so finding our true self starts with reflection how can you reflect well you can write uh, journals and we can dive into our own self by writing journals about us every day. That's why people used to write uh, diaries because they, you know, if you read your diaries back, you can see your progress. You can see what made you upset. You can see how you reacted to certain things, certain elements of your life. And just like how you observe others, and you can like kind of decode their actions and that's why we always say we are so much better 
at seeing other people's situations and helping we can help them because we kind of observe their them and their situations from an outside point of view than our own life because we just go through life but we don't actually stop to think about why we reacted to certain things how we did certain things and why we are the way we are we see that in others because they are outside of us we are we can observe them but we sometimes if we don't record it and then and you know meditate on it and read back we cannot observe ourselves uh, that's just how it is journaling writing your diary is very important in the process of reflection you know like i said meditating so you can quiet your mind and you can meditate on the process you can meditate on steps but why you have done that and how you can correct certain things or how you can do things differently you know it's just a game in your mind that you can play just like a movie um, anything is possible in the mind and so uh, doing this you can release emotions and when these emotions get released is like this cathartic event and it has a cathartic effect in your body it's you can actually feel this energy you know it's a saying when when people um get through something and they say wow it's like something's got lifted off my shoulders that's how we express it but there is way more to it energy has to flow and sometimes energy gets blocked and just like in a system like think about um like a steam system right when you have like a steam um, heating system in your house and you know it has the radiators has valves because the pressure have to release somewhere otherwise things would blow up <laughs> it's it built energy right like in the trains the steam engines but energy also have to release somewhere if, if it just keeps building up eventually it blows <laughs> and you know in case of us if we blow that's not gonna be a nice uh thing to witness or experience so releasing these uh, uh, emotions uh, it's a good thing aristotle said knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom finding our authentic self is often described as a layered process you know it's like peeling back the skin of an onion to uh, reveal the essence in it an idea central to what um, Carl Jung describes as individuation the process of becoming more aware of oneself our authentic self um, does not care what others think authenticity happens when our words actions and behaviors consistently match our core identity but what does it mean to be authentic Brené Brand said in order for connection to happen we have to allow ourselves to be seen really seen Nietzsche said he who has a why can bear almost any how he proposes that we say yes to whatever gives us meaning in our own life the things we find value in personally Nietzsche had an interesting concept called amor fati which basically means loving our life no matter what it has in it and I I, I find it beautiful I, I really like how it sounds amor fati <laughs> it sounds so 
exotic and <laughs> I just love even saying that. It's feel it makes me feel good. But but isn't that true that loving our life, no matter what it has in it, it in itself means loving yourself regardless how you are because it's your birthright to be loved and to love and finding true self when you really really truly find your true authentic self best most love that one can ever feel you know we always say when you give birth the love that you feel for your child is the biggest the most extensive and and a certain special kind of love that you can only feel when you become a parent and it's true it's a very special love but going through the process of finding your authentic self there is nothing more freeing there is nothing grand nothing more grand in than when you finally find you and you decide no matter what you will love you and you stay true to yourself it gives you an immense peace with yourself and the world you live in it's a beautiful process and i think one can only really feel what i'm speaking of when going through this process or when you went through the process already it is however not a process that you once go through and never do it again that's a myth i went through it and i can say that i think and i believe that i find my true self but every single day i find more and more out about myself and it changes things here and there and then i can decide if i like this about myself or if i don't like this about myself and then i can decide if i want to change that part of me or not and then there are outside things that happens to us every single day you know that are happening to us no matter what and then we react to it and then we can decide because if you really really truly know yourself you understand how everything that affects you works uh, through your brain through your heart in your body energetically so you can decide if you let that into you and it becomes part of you kind of in a way because of your energy or you just let it flow through you sometimes you decide it consciously and sometimes unfortunately it happens unconsciously and that's how we get you know be there to be in different moods and then you know we have to work on ourselves again to be the best we can be so it's an ongoing process that i think we have to work on throughout our whole life but there is a moment in life even though you're going to keep working on something that you had to do before that and that was the true the first true reflection and the first true finding of yourself the cathartic event i mentioned and then you know through finding yourself you are also need to find your true purpose and finding our purpose allows us to feel centered that's when you feel really balanced this is a challenge because society um, trains us to stay the course and to fear change but when our overall mission in life is crystallized 
fear takes a back seat so when when we know what we want and we have the true purpose behind it no matter what fear comes up we just fight right through it no matter what fears were put into our head or were told us because once your mission is truly your mission like you know no matter what this is my mission in life there is nobody who can stop you just a train who keeps going as we know from the time we enter the world our parents or you know any other caretakers mold us to conform to their value system since we are dependent on them and our brains have not fully formed we do not know any different so these are the so-called boxes we are put in as we grow may be beneficial for us or damaging depending on how well our innate personalities work within these constraints of these boxes until finding ourselves we are confined to the mold that was created for us but not by us and this is so important because these molds are created by the society we live in these molds are created by our parents by our grandparents the the group we live in the school the teachers we let in our life so these are never created by us and that is why it's so important uh, when we say to unlearn things and learn anew and the unlearning is the hardest thing to do if you guys remember or if, if you guys ever watched it but there was a part i mean there's a lot of parts that are really good in that movie um uh, the avatar so the, in the original movie i forgot his name but the main character you know the guy in the wheelchair when they ask him if he thinks he's gonna be a good candidate for it because he wanted to go into the forest you know to be with uh, the navi people on planet pandora or on moon on the moon pandora he said that to the tribe that he, th he believes he's the best candidate because he's so empty he's easy to be molded and you know when we are born we are that empty and he was so disappointed in life with everything he had that he gave up on his life that's why his attitude was like that in the beginning of the movie with everything that happened to him losing his legs losing his twin brother and all that stuff he just he became almost like dead inside his soul so he said that he's like a blank page so whatever is put on that's why he was the best candidate and that is why he was the hero of the movie the savior sometimes we unlearn by traumatic events that happens to us sometimes we unlearn by decision but unlearning when we decide to focus on unlearning things that were taught to us is a very hard process but it's something that needs to be done a lot of times for our own health and you know people say unlearning from history because history has a lot of lies in it or unlearning certain parts of science because it had been changed and certain parts of science when it's been changed it's hard to unlearn because we are so accustomed to that thought process but i'm not even talking about those right now i'm literally talking about the unlearning the information how you perceive the world around you for yourself so i'm talking about unlearning the mold the cube, the box that you were placed in that told you how you are and who you are. When you ask someone who you 
are what do you think who, who is you who who is it and people look at you and like what do you mean i am this you know my name is aranka i i am five six i i live in the united states i you know my eyes are hazel or but you know what whatever they say i remember uh, bob proctor had a really good conversation about it but he he explained it so well and elegantly how we have no clue when somebody asks us we just describe our body or we describe the labels that were put to us or the education that we went through you know i'm an engineer or you know i'm a teacher or i'm an astronaut or whatever you know my feet size is this and everything we possibly explain about ourselves is our body that we are in or these labels that were placed onto us or you know but we don't actually think about who we are so who is that person who is this that self who got named as aranka who is that person who got named bob who is that person who got named kelly who is that person who became an engineer who is it what they truly like how are they what is their purpose what are are their dreams so finding that true self inside of you you can call it a soul you know whatever your beliefs are that is the big deal because we do not even think about that we do not know anything about this person just the labels and the physical presentations and finding out who that person is inside the body that were given to you is the greatest achievement that anybody can ever do when we are not our true self it veers us down over time bringing stress and fatigue uh, with an impact on our overall well-being so we need to make sense of our past because like i said we are the product of our past experiences not just current life but you know if you, if you really gonna get <laughs> spiritual here and per my belief system you don't have to agree with that everybody has their own belief system and that is completely how it's supposed to be per my belief system it is not just the past experiences of our current life but the past experiences of our previous lives that in buddhist they call karma that is how our karmatic events transfer into our current life like things that you you know you were born with a purpose and a mission and then you haven't done it <laughs> right and until you successfully go through that and actually make it happen you're gonna keep going through that now this is how they explain karmatic events but that is true for our current earthly life as well a lot of people you know they are in a relationship and let's say the their partner is alcoholic and and they wanna get eventually they, they couldn't cannot take it anymore and they got out of that re- relationship to feel freed off because they cannot handle it anymore but in their next relationship even if the person they get together with were not an alcoholic when they get together with a person eventually becomes again that type of person and they find themselves in that same thing again same thing with abusing relationships people are in abusing relationships physically abusing or, or verbally abusing relationships they get out of it just to get into the same type of relationship over and over and over again until they work on it and they fix it 
I'm not saying to fix the other person that is their job. What I'm saying is, and sometimes it's really hard to accept that by mirroring, you know, by reflecting on ourselves, how we react to things, looking through how we do things, we can open our mind to the idea that we have some kind of responsibility in those happenings and why we attract that to us, right? In the previous episode, we talked about how we attract certain frequencies, how we attract certain situations through those frequencies. This is the same thing. And until we figure that out, it's going to happen over and over again. Until we work on that, and then we can truly free ourselves from that scroll wheel. It keeps coming back and you are in it and just keep going and keep going. Finding our true self and true purpose and understanding how our brain, our mind, and our heart connects and how life itself works, it's crucial, it's very important. So we talked about as a first step of the process, the reflection, the mirroring, right? And what is the second step of the process? The second step of this process is determining our values. We should not make the mistake of believing that our past is our story. Tony Robbins said that everybody's got a past. The past does not equal the future unless you live there. You remember in the previous episode I said that when you live in your past, you get depressed (laughs) and when you live in your future, you get anxiety. So if you constantly live in your past, you you can't be present and you're just going to keep creating the same future for yourself as you currently have in your present. And so that's why I think he says that the past does not equal the future unless you live there. So of course, everybody got that past, but we have the past, we have the history to learn from it. History is there, the past is there, so we can learn from it. So we don't make the mistake of staying in there. We work on it to be better, to grow, to move forward. So while reflection of our past is useful, learning to find ourselves is about growth and forward movement. Just like in nature, right? Nature doesn't move backwards. It always moves forward. The energy flows. So it's very important to remember that. Our values are our guiding light in the world. Uh, Yet so many of us don't know our own values. We have an idea who we should be, but this idea comes from those, you know, limiting beliefs, you know, that Nietzsche described. We can be whatever we desire as long as we believe in ourselves. I'm going to repeat this because it's very important. We can be whatever we desire as long as we believe in ourselves. Nietzsche said, do not follow the herd mentality. He said, what we are called universal values, what we have called truth, has always only ever been the personal expressions of those who promoted them. Nietzsche believed a rigid societal code creates what he called the herd mentality. Like a herd of animals, a herd mentality aims towards sameness, comfort, and the preservation of its population. Similarly, the moral code of society has been fabricated by individuals and then imposed on other people so that society can have control over human behavior. Although that 
can protect us from certain extreme human behaviors, it also limits our individuality and creativity. Not only that, but the strict dogmatic judgment of human behavior can even make some individuals more rebellious, resulting in extreme antisocial attitudes and even worst actions. So if these dictatorial boundaries and rules become tyrannical and unreasonably harsh, the rebellious response can often be equally harsh. If the moral code of society is flexible enough, then the people who have opposing views do not have to be particularly forceful to make the change that they want to see in the world. So that's how Nietzsche saw this. And if you think about what happened in the past two years, you know, these tyrannical, dictatorial boundaries been forced around a lot. So no wonder why and how people react the way they react. It's inherent inside of us and that's how humans are. Even though humans, we say that, you know, we are an animal species, our brain works differently because of our being. We do not act like herd of animals. And when they try to make you be one, it's if you truly know yourself, it's just not gonna work. In real life, more often than not, it's the case that morality is preached in a very strict way. It is not only that societal, religious, and educational structures present it that way. It is also the attitude of the majority of people that do not want to stand out from the group in fear of being rejected. Therefore, every person that stands out too much according to the representatives of those groups in someone that seems terrifying and dangerous. It is a well-known fact that people are afraid of the unknown and that is perfectly mirrored in this dynamic. This can be seen in our everyday lives, whether it is the Middle Ages or the modern-day world. This dynamic is always present whether it is Galileo being killed for thinking outside of the box, or if you remember Samuel who told us to wash our hands and save lives, and he was thrown out <laughs> from the medical society for it, or at school when your classmates ridiculed you or some other student for being different and standing out, it is all cut from the same cloth. The herd consists of people that have amputated their creativity, dreams and goals, and are feeling insecure and even threatened by everyone that exhibits those qualities. Why? Because they don't have it. Those people are afraid of change, afraid of admitting to themselves that some of their potential has not been fully realized. It's the same thing that's happening currently. I just had a conversation with someone on Twitter the other day, and uh, we were talking about uh, automation, how people are completely terrified of automation of industries. And I can understand why, but on the other hand, I don't understand it. So the reason people are afraid of it, number one, because they are afraid of change. Number one, right? Because we were raised in a way that change is not good. Number two, it's because through that change, they, they think they lose their safety net that they have around them. And so it's the same thing uh, with the current automation, which is just basically make lives better because our automation is like how our brain works, right? Our brain is, when, when you develop habits, your brain does that, you, you have habits, 
so your brain can you know save reserve uh, energy but that's the only reason it does have it so it doesn't have to actually go through the same process and fully uh, <laughs> go through it and that would be a lot lot of energy to be used so doing these uh, habits in inside of your brain those automated that's what we call automation the habits are automation in our, our brain and when you automate something in the system in an industry that is the, for the same reason for saving energies but when you do that you get rid of certain jobs and that can be scary for those whose jobs you know go away this is the same thing what happened you know when you know before light bulbs people were they had a job to light the torches so the streets we can have streets lights it was no light bulb so somebody's job was to walk and light all those torches or before alarm clocks existed somebody were working on land with their you know pocket watch and were waking up people every morning that was their job and then usually stayed in a family so it was the father's job then it's going to be the son's job and, and, and that's how it was and people were terrified when that changed in the industrial revolution well now we are a different kind of new industrial revolution and it's always going to happen because things change and when things change it comes with consequences and everything when it's fear-based it's afraid of change so but this should be, be should understand that these are good things because when automation happens those are type of jobs and things that are not require humans because we were created for way more than that we were created way more than lighting you know candles or torches <laughs> we are created for me more more than you know waking up people i mean waking up people you know talking about that that's different when you waking them up from their really deep sleep if you know what i mean and it's different when you just wake them up to go to work <laughs> so throughout history it's uh, always been there and it's always will be that's human nature but i think if we really think about it it's a good thing because once you take all those things away those people can do something else something much more fulfilling with their lives and i truly believe that the past two years that's why i believe no matter how crazy it sounds because of all the horrors and the fear and anger and everything we have been through why this past two years was a blessing is because people had time to just be and think and reevaluate their life i heard of so many people who changed 360 degree oh that's actually a complete circle so 180 <laughs> 180 degree because they reevaluated their life they went through this process of what we are talking about because they had time to slow down to meditate on themselves and they realized that life they were doing is unworthy for them you know what i mean and so it's i think it's magical that it happened for so many people and it happened because we were forced kind of into it and then of course there are others who were just watching tv the whole time and nothing changed for them and now they are just eager to get back to the life it was but it's not going to happen because life had changed the earth plane had changed since then so life's not gonna be as it was before because things are changing and those are the people who are not gonna experience life fully and they they experience life as something that happens to them and not with them and what i want for all of us is that we experience life that we are uh, actively 
contributing to it and it's happening with us instead of just to us and that's what everything i do i do so more and more people are part of you know this experience in itself so uh, this realization of this change it can be scary but an individualistic and driven person must not let themselves be dragged down by other people's mistakes in life instead um you need to go your own way leave the herd behind and shine a light so bright that it can't be ignored and we get back to the topic of unlearning unlearning and learning anew through discovery uh, you can start by questioning and silencing those negative voices that you internalized when you were young that's why we talked about uh, childhood right when i talked about the mold we were molded into we are molded into by what language we speak we are molded into our values and qualities how you are grown up by those who raised us so they weren't not our values it's it happened so many times i just heard another they that talk I, i don't remember her name she was talking about how she grew up in pakistan and then they she lived there i think in her most of her childhood and and then they moved to um europe to britain and then eventually she ended up here in uh, connecticut i think and and she was uh, raised in a very religious way and she had to pray five times a day and and she had questions because she did it to please her parents but she didn't understood the meaning behind what she was doing it wasn't resonating with her soul the way it was presented to her and the way she had to do it and it took her into way into adult life when she find her husband to finally feel free of it and she never been able to talk about these things but we when she find her husband and she openly talked about all of that that was the first time she felt truly free and understood it and the most inspiring and surprising part about when this happens to someone that she actually got back to practicing her religion but at that time she did it because she felt aligned with it she felt the calling to do so she understood it her whole being her resonated with that message and she did it on her own way but she said and that's i think the most important takeaway from that talk is that she know that now that she want to raise her children completely differently than how she was raised she want to teach them the spiritual path she has but she want to explain to them why she think that is important not just tell them that they have to do it because she said so but she want to explain them why these values are important for her and she wants to let them choose if they also align with those values you see the difference forcing your values on someone is the same thing when uh, your let's say your mother always wanted to go to college and she never got to and then she's forcing you to do a degree that maybe you do not want maybe you just want to be a plumber because you really like that job and you feel calling for it and it's all fine because we all have different callings or you know a family who every person in the family is a doctor and obviously you have to be a doctor these are archaic um things that we are forced to do the molding of it from childhood and that's why a lot of people are unhappy in their lives no matter how you know doesn't matter how much money they make in that profession or whatever but it's not 
what they were born to do. And when we recognize that and we, you know, get the boss, <laughs> so to say, to act on our own purpose uh, with the stamina and, you know, we decide and strategically uh, plan ahead for it, there is no force that can stop that person. And so I, I really think that it's important. And that's when uh, we are talking about values when it comes into, into the picture. Because you see, I, most of you might know that I'm studying integrative nutrition and Joshua Rosenthal, the founder of the school I'm studying, he's, he has this example of big stones. Basically what he, he says how to explain how to find our values is that he brings this like fish ball, like a fish tank, <laughs> like a giant glass ball. And then he shows you that when you put in the stones randomly, like the small ones first and then it goes everywhere or whatever, the big ones in the end are going to fit because how everything just filled up. But if you place the big stones into the, the fish tank first and then you pour the flour or the tiny stones on them, they just fill into the cracks and then everything fits and your cup is full. And that I find that um, the way visually how he explains it so good because it's so true. If you know your true values and you focus on them, you know, like you write them down and you, you have it with you and you imagine like you can even write on a stone for a big stone, I mean, oranges, <laughs> whatever you got big. Is I'd be comparing to a, a, a big a glass jar. And you place those first, and then you put, if there is space for anything else, your, your life will be much more fulfilling because the, the most important one's gonna be in your life, and everything else can come after. I, I really think that that's the best visual example anybody can give. The great teacher, uh, Jim Ron, said that when he was 25, uh, and he met his mentor. His mentor asked him to tell him what is what what are his goals, his values, uh, if he has it written down. And he's like, "No, I don't have it here. Do you have it in your car?" And then he says, "No, I I I don't have any. What What do you mean you don't have your goals and values written?" And he says, "No, I I never thought about it. I I don't have it that." And then the mentor told him that, "Well, then that's where you have to start." You cannot possibly achieve anything unless you know what you want, what, what the rules you want to live by, what is the purpose of you doing anything in life. And he said that is such a basic thing, but nobody, not in elementary school, not in high school, middle school, or in college, have ever told him that. And until that time, that's why he felt so lost. And I find this absolutely fascinating. Think about it. No one ever tells you that. We just keep going with life with the flow and, you know, we don't know what we're actually doing or what. Some people may get lucky and have a focus point or one or two, but they don't actually understand their purpose, their values and goals in life. And his mentor told him that, I'm paraphrasing because I don't... <laughs> have anything in front of me from him I just remember it because he's such a great teacher that he said if you don't have your goals and your values written down I can guess the your bank account 
plus minus a hundred dollars and he said he did because nobody can be successful in any way of life you can talk about money you can talk about you know achievements you can talk about happiness unless you have a list written down and you carry it with you and you focus on it with everyday things that you do in life i think this is one of the best and basic lessons in life that anybody every children should be taught in first day of school um that's my opinion something that's really important to understand is that our psyche is not a passive computer it is constantly reacting and changing to things that happens to us or in us so uh, number one is feeling the functions these are autonomous reactions number two our energy systems when doing it when you do something well the right things for us energy flows freely number three dreams are important why why are we dreaming you can say oh it's just some silly dreams but you have to remember one important law nature does not waste energy why would nature create something that you do which is dreaming if it's just a waste of energy it's never a waste of energy it's never an accident so dreams possibly must be very important if nature decided to waste energy on it you have to remember that your brain i think i just posted about this the other day on twitter your brain the weight of your brain is only like two three percent of your whole body weight while the energy it needs the energy consumption of it the calories from the calories you eat is about 26 percent of all that you eat so it's a very expensive right if you think about it for your body it's very expensive to run your brain so believe me if i say that nature does not waste energy it wouldn't do it if it wouldn't have a purpose just like how we create your brain creates habits so it doesn't have to waste energy it's always on point so after you find your values and your purpose uh, you have to think about what you are doing is it meaningful uh, to you i mean right uh, because maybe some people think it's not but if it's meaningful to you it's the right thing to do if meaning does not present that's when you we get sick that's when we get traumas or we die because if we have no meaning in our life we, we have no purpose then what why would we exist so when meaning is there in our life we joyfully flow through in life young uh, once said that we all need to know what supports us when nothing supports us pascal said that we invented the gesture so we do not need to self-reflect uh, if you think about isn't that what we say god source universe whatever you want to call it do that it always creates to learn about itself to reflect on itself so i, I find it so interesting that we create the gesture so we do not need to self-reflect because we have a gesture that other people see and then by their reaction to our gesture our brain recognizes what we did so instead of we have to self-reflect on it we can self-reflect in a way by looking at others and their reactions of what we did <laughs> it's 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 a process huh and then remember number one the first step was reflection number two was determining our values and i mentioned 
you know, just to summarize, but Joshua Rosenthal said about the fish tank and the big <laughs> rocks. And the number three in the process is silencing our negative self-talk. And this is so important to be able to silence our negative self-talk. Is your self-talk positive? Is your self-talk negative? Is it empowering you? Is it disempowering you? Uh, we have to understand that. Uh, does it encourages you to get out of your comfort zone or keeps you living in fear? We need to learn to silence our inner self-sabotaging critic, in a way we call it critic. Uh, once we recognize the self-damaging thoughts and replace them with empowering ones, that pushes us towards our goals instead of holding us back. So it's so important to first recognize what that is if it's and, and categorize it, right? We have the conscious mind for the reason that we can process information in a way. And so we can decide if something is for our betterment or something is for not for our betterment. So is it positive talk? Is it a negative talk? Is it empowering us or is it em disempowering us? And number four in our process is discovering our strengths. Discovering our strengths is one of the most exciting, empowering, liberating point of this journey. It is like the high, <laughs> when you, this is the high you get from the process when you discover your strength. So, so discovering it, think back on the last time you felt like you were in your element, in your happy place. What were you doing? The feeling of happiness and purpose is a sign of our strengths. Once we identify, we can leverage on these strengths, adding our values to the package. And boom, <laughs> we have created an extraordinary life. And then, you know, the number five in the process is recognizing what does not serve us. We need to free ourselves from patterns and relationships that do not serve us. Thinking back to episode uh, one, right? When I talked about vibes, this is the same thing because the vibes create our frequencies and, you know, sometimes it serves us, sometimes it doesn't. So just think back to episode one and you will understand what, what I mean in this uh, part. I don't want to get into it again because we had a whole episode on that subject. So basically it's because our brains craves patterns because patterns, like I mentioned, it conserves energy. When we fall into patterns, the brain doesn't need to make decisions about certain actions and behaviors. It becomes automated. It becomes robotic. Patterns can be very damaging or very useful to us. And so it takes, I forgot who said that, but it takes 21 days for a pattern to be created. So if you repeat something for 21 consecutive days, it becomes a pattern. So you remember that number 21 is important, not just in, uh, you know, in a casino, <laughs> But if you do something for 21 consecutive days, it creates a pattern. So when you want to create good patterns, changing you know, out bad ones, do it for 21, at least for 21 consecutive days and you have created a brand new pattern in your brain. Congratulations. <laughs> so what is such an important takeaway from all of this? Stop comparing yourself to others. Stop focusing on others. Instead, focus on to being the best version of you that you possibly can. Once you have accepted that you have as much right to success 
and much right to succeed as anybody else. The next step is learning how to talk the talk. We have to get uh, fluid in the language of success so we can speak with ease. Surround yourself with people who have accomplished their dreams and immerse yourself in the culture of achievement. Be amongst achievers. That's what I think Steve Harvey said. And then I remember listening to a lecture from Les Brown. If you have never listened to Les Brown, I really highly recommend you do so because he's an amazing speaker. And the way he speaks is just like draws you right in. And the way he tells you things, it's really moving. So I remember he said to imagine, if you will, that uh, being on your deathbed and standing around your bed is the ghost of your like dreams, ideas, the abilities, the talents given to you by life. And that you, for whatever reason, you never went after those dreams. You never acted on those ideas. You never used those talents. You never used those gifts. And that they are standing around your being, looking at you with large angry eyes and say, we came to you and you could have given us life and now we must die with you forever. And the question is, if you die today, what dreams, what ideas, what talents, what books, what music, what leadership, what voice will die with you? I find this so powerful. I love when people create these visuals for us to understand better life and our being itself. And when I heard this example from him, it's, it was very moving and it's really made me think. Miles Monroe once said that the wealthiest in the planet is not in the Far East where there is oil in the ground. It is not in South Africa where the diamond mines are. The wealthiest place on the planet is the cemetery. There you will find greatness if we are never seen. There you find talent and genius and potential never actualized. None of us can afford to have a life that is controlled by someone else or a life that is basically controlled by our emotions, purely on our emotions. Because if you think about it, there are two kinds of people. There is a type of person who says, I'm going to wait to feel like it before I do it. And there is the other type of person who says, I got to do it so that I feel like it. And one will probably not get much done because they're still waiting to feel the moment to move on to do something. And the other person says, no, I need to move. And then I will begin to feel the moment. So like we talked about in the first episode, that sometimes you can make yourself to be in certain frequency by doing, you remember the mantras you tell yourself, it helps you get into certain frequency and create things for yourself. This is the same way. So if you want to achieve something, you have to sometimes make the first step and then it creates itself. So it's like, you know, it, it doesn't work one without the other. And if you're just waiting for the feeling to happen, sometimes it's not. So you have to act on it and then you feel it. That's, I think, what the lesson here is. And um, there is a great, great, great quote from Da Vinci, Leonardo Da Vinci. He once said that 
one can have no smaller or greater mastery than mastery over oneself. I, I really think that, that that's such a great quote when you really think about it. And I was listening to uh, one of the lectures from uh, Tom Bilio, and I love him. And he said that if I can construct my belief system, if I can choose at any moment to believe something that's more empowering than I was believing the moment before, and that will actually find its way into my actions, allow me to do things that I couldn't do the moment before, that it's like that moment in the Matrix when Neo realized he knows Kung Fu. That's how I think about life. The very fundamental purpose of life is to find out how many skills I can acquire that have utility and then put that utility to the test in service of something greater than myself. I, 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 I really think that these are such powerful words. And sometimes we have to like really send to them multiple times to fully uh, understand it. There is a saying that live full and die empty. That means you live your life to the fullest as you possibly can be joy, happiness and fun. We have to have fun. And when we die, we have nothing left that we haven't achieved that we needed to achieve. So think about your goals and dreams, like in categories, personal, professional, societal, how you can contribute, and then get out of your head and step into your greatness. Helen Keller once said, life is short and unpredictable. Eat the desert first. As you think, so you become. <laughs> awesome. Why would the same measure affect people two different ways? because it all depends on how you look at it. Our lives are mostly affected by the way we think things are. Not the way they are, but the way we think they are affects us most. It's important to remember that. Talk to people and ask them why they don't make certain changes in their lives or what's holding them back. Uh, or when you start journaling, sometimes we get to that conclusion on our own too, that, you know, if we would have more time, we would do it. But, you know, we are so busy with, uh, with life that we don't have that extra time. But we can't have extra time because there is only 24 hours in a day. So everybody gets the same amount of time. So time cannot be the measure what makes someone successful in life versus someone who is unhappy in life so if you can get more time which <laughs> we can't what could we get more of what would make a difference in let's say if we try to explain this let's say in economic results if you look at the economy because usually that's what's for most people the easiest to grasp what would make a difference in economic results but it's not time right so what is the key word that makes a difference? The word is value. There is a quote that says, value makes the difference in results. So you can get more time. We <laughs> said that, right? But we can create more value. This is like the one-on-one, -on -one, the basics of economics, that we primarily get paid for value. 
So when we bring value to the marketplace, that is how we get paid, right? The company brings value, they get paid for it. It doesn't matter how long it took them. Like, let's say you take a job and let's say somebody asks you to build them a website or whatever, right? It doesn't matter that you don't know how to do it and it takes you six months to build it or it takes you an hour of your time. The value in the end will be the same. It's going to be a built website or whatever the product's going to be. So if the value in the end is the same, you're going to get paid for it the same, but it's going to take you less or more time to do because it's something that you know or not know. So but makes you get ahead is the value right i think it was picasso who said that when somebody asked him to make a like a sketch of the person and you know on a made a very quick sketch in a restaurant and gave it to it and asked for like a <laughs> hefty money in exchange and they were like but you did this in less than five minutes and picasso i think it was him answered that it might have taken me five minutes to create this that you see but it took me a lifetime to get to here so I can create this in five minutes because his life taught him, you know, he had the skills, right? We talked about skills, so he can create that. So it doesn't matter how much time you put into something. The only thing matters is value. And we talked about values before. So in summary, if you do not get paid for the time, Obviously, it takes time to bring value to the marketplace in economics, but we get paid for the value, not the time. So it's important to have skills. And when you talk about skills to move away from economics, in in, in a case of self, uh, everything that you learn about yourself is going to make you skillful, right? It's going to help you grow and it's going to help you change to become who you're supposed to be and this gonna bring value to your life because you're gonna be able to be your true authentic self and if you are we talked about it when you are your true authentic self you are centered you are balanced you are in harmony and you can bring forth things that you want to see in your lives there is an old quote that says things to change for someone, someone has to change. We can't expect different outcomes without change. The great uh, Jim Rohn once said, you can have more than you got because you can become more than you are. Of course, the other side of the coin reads, unless you change how you are, you will always have what you got. Success in anything is something you attract, not something you pursue. Success is looking for a good place to stay. So instead of going after it, you work on yourself. It is called personal development. And he added, happiness is not contained in what you get. Happiness is contained in what you become. There is a saying from the ancient Greek culture that says, as you think in your heart, so are you. And it's such a fascinating quote because if you, I don't know if you watched my uh, Chakras and Beyond video, but I talked about 
how our heart chakra, our heart is the great equalizer in our energetic body. Not just because it's in the middle, you know, we have seven chakras, we have the root chakra and then the sacral chakra, our solar plexus chakra, those are the bottom three chakras and then the fourth chakra is the heart and then the fifth is the throat the sixth is the third eye and the seventh is the crown chakra and of course as the egg right shaped energy we have the aura around it now not just because we have three below and three above and so above so below <laughs> by the hermetics it's not just because it's the uh, great equalizer but because of its quality and we talked i talked about in my video how everything that you do through your heart is how you attract things and how you become and so when we look at our energetic body how creation of things happens is that first usually is the idea right that happens in if we see it energetically the third eye the dreams right the visions when you have an idea if we don't want to think about it so esoterically then we talk about it, the intellectual mind right so it happens there and then you have to feel into it with your heart with the energy of the heart and what is our heart though our heart creates our electromagnetic field right so that's where the power is. Our heart is the powerhouse of everything. So that's where the brain-heart connection comes into picture, which we also talked about in the video. If you are curious about the, uh, the brain-heart connection, I highly, highly recommend you to check out the HeartMed Institute and all the research, scientific research that they are doing. The CEO, the founder is uh, Deborah Rosman, and she has such a way of speaking about it. It's, it's a wonderful topic. I included it in my uh, Chakras and Beyond video as well. Um, it, it's an amazing subject to study how the heart and the brain has the connection, not in the way as we were taught in the school. They're finding so many interesting things about the heart. I mean, you know, just the fact that um, the heart has memory cells and that the heart actually sends way more signals to our brain than the brain to the heart and that the heart is not just a pump uh, actually uh, now scientists say that the, the heart on its own wouldn't be able to pump all the blood that's required it wouldn't because it's, it's it's too small for it and so it's another way how the circulatory system actually works <laughs> it's very fascinating when like i said before when we unlearn and learn anew but that's how science works right that we we have theories and concepts and when something anew comes to the surface we re-evaluate what we previously known so that's something to uh, look into the HeartMed Institute their research is fascinating and I remember Greg Braden also talked about it in one of the Healing Matrix episodes by Gaia TV that uh, uh, relating to the HeartMed Institute that he uh, heard about uh, through uh, his doctor's friend who was a heart surgeon about the story and it happens very often when um, a little girl got another little girl's heart uh, the other little girl died and so she received a heart transplant and so she started to develop these uh, nightmares when she was sleeping and the doctors realized and that's when the the heart surgeon the, the cardio doctor sent it to a 
psychologist because they realized that the pattern of dreams she was getting were actual memories from the previous little girl whose heart she received. You see, we know that our body rebuilds itself. Uh, the concept is that if you look at the whole picture, the body rebuilds itself every seven years, but obviously it depends on which body part because some takes only a day, <laughs> some takes the actual, you know, uh, I don't remember exactly the numbers, but maybe more than 10 years. And so, but in average, our body rebuilds itself every seven years completely. And that's why it's important what we eat and not just by food but energetically, as we talked about. But especially food, they say you are what you eat. And it's true, because what you eat turns into the other molecules that build your body up. <laughs> but so it's so very interesting. So the little girl had memories because the heart stored those memories. And in my video, I talked about, actually, I, I heard about this theory first from uh, Christina, uh, she has a YouTube channel that talks about many of these energetic parts in the body. Uh, Christina Lopes, if you want to look her up. And she talked about that these memories happen. The easiest way to imagine it, it's almost like having computer chips or memory cards that are, they are obviously not visible, they are energetically existing. And each chakra has these memory cards, these computer chips attached to it, and they store information, energetic information. And so the heart has memory cells that uh, stores these memories. And so it's, it's fascinating because we always thought about all of this, that the brain is the one that has all that, but it's started to be proven by science that is not the case. But again, I'm not, uh, you know, a pro in this field. So just look up HeartMath Institute. They they publish all the scientific studies that currently done about it, and it's a fascinating subject. But to get back to my topic, so the heart is always the forever equalizer. We talked about how what you imagine and visualize in your third eye, and you feel into it. To give the energy to it to make it move is through the heart and then it gets created in to physically into the material world through the sacral chakra you watch my video you remember the sacral chakra is some people only talk about it as where the sexual energy is but it's actually the energetic part of our body energetic part of the body that uh, does creation that's why our womb is in that chakra as well where we create new life right and that's where, that's why the sexual organs are there but it's not just a sexual energy is any kind of creative energy that is how we create and the best uh, to listen to or, or read to the person who really dived into this topic was napoleon here Napoleon Hill has the book called Think and Grow Rich. And if you read the book, it's really not just about rich as people think about, like materially, like wealth in finance wise, but it's like the whole concept of self, how to become. And so he very, he talks about this subject and I highly recommend you to read that book. So 
So we have the seven chakras, so the second chakra, the sacral chakra, where the creation happens to this material world, we send it into the material through the root chakra. But again, if you want to learn more about it, I highly recommend you to uh, watch my um, Chakras and Beyond video where I explain the whole concept of it all. So anyway, heart is important. And even in science, you can read how we have the intellectual mind that's measured with IQ test, and we have the emotional intelligence, which is the EQ, the emotional intelligence test. And nowadays, when you interview for big corporations, you know, they make you fill out the test and sub. I remember when I used, uh, I used to work at Human Resources in, back in Hungary, we made uh, people fill out those tests. But mostly people focus on is actually not the IQ test and what happens through those uh, questions, but the emotional intelligence, it is so much more important. And so uh, when somebody has high EQ, high emotional intelligence, they usually become much better leaders and they, because they know how to create, they know how to focus on purpose and goals and how to make them become reality so it's a very important tool that we can use and there is a lot of things that you can read about it online because it's literally everywhere dr mcfarland once said that two uh, percent of the people think three percent of the people think they think and 95 percent of the people would rather die than think but i always thought it was a crazy and offensive idea, but I started to realize he might have been right all along. So <laughs> just something put for thought. And since we talked about feeling into through the heart, let's talk about feelings. What are feelings and what, what really it is? Well, feeling is a word we invented to describe our conscious awareness of the vibration we are in. Isn't that fascinating again? Feeling is a word we invented to describe our conscious awareness of the vibration we are in. So think about it. When a person says to you that I don't feel very good, what is it that they are really saying? If you follow this concept, they are saying that I'm consciously aware that I am in a negative vibration. Of course, nobody ever would say that because if they would be aware, consciously aware, that they are in a negative vibration, they probably would change that, right? So what does that mean? It means that if we change our state of mind through positive vibration, we can heal ourselves energetically and physically on this topic. So then disease, how we get disease? And what is disease? Disease is in its name, this is when you are not in ease, when you don't flow with the energy of life, you're in this ease. But this ease doesn't exist in a positive state of mind. When you're happy, when you're energetically and physically healthy, you don't have disease. So when does disease happen? Well, it happens when we have energetic imbalances, and then those energetic imbalances manifest into imbalances of the body so you know whatever you put into your mind and then you really feel into it to create with your heart and then through your <laughs> sacral chakra you create it into existence that's why these topics are so important so we can understand that and so what is it 
but that it's most important when we talk about change or when we talk about freedom and feeling happy and good. Well, how can you become free of disease? How can you become free of negative energies? And how can you become just free, like that concept that you are totally free? If we truly want to be free and healthy, we have to set ourselves free from ignorance. Because ignorance is the cause of disease. When somebody is ignorant, and we saw a lot lately of that I, in the past two years, but we basically don't think. We just rather, you know, move on so we don't have to think. We just ignore things. That's what ignorance is. And when we ignore things, it causes a disease, just like when your body tells you and signals you, hey, you know, something is not right. That's why, you know, your lower back starts hurting, or that's why when you get injured, you feel the pain, or when you ate something and your tummy is upset. That's a sign your body is speaking to you that your physical body doesn't feel okay. So you should pay attention to that signal and work on it or avoid it next time or find the source of it. It cannot happen or you can fix it. Just like your physical body gives you these signals, loop, right? It signals you and then you react the same way energetically it happens inside of us. And that is why when we ignore that, it causes a disease because once you ignore it, it has to still come to the surface, it's still there, it still exists, so it has to manifest into something, so you finally pay attention to it. So the idea is why not pay attention to it before it becomes something that you cannot take care of on your own. So it's like a concept, a challenge that we deal with daily. Science also tells us one of the first laws of energy is that energy is forever moving into form. And you know what religion calls this? They call it prayer. Prayer is the movement that takes place between spirit and form, with and through an individual. So like I explained how this energy goes through the body, first the thought, then the feeling, then the creation. But the issue is that most people are praying for what they don't want. Why? What? Why would they pray for something they don't want? Because the way they do it. They are talking about what they do want. But you see, the issue is that most people, uh, let's say, if they believe in God or source or the universe, they treat God, let's say, they treat God as some cosmic backup thing. <laughs> That's how Bob Proctor used to say it. They treat God like a cosmic backup thing. They're just, you know, going to do whatever they spoke of because, you know, they talk to him. <laughs> but the thing is that they don't, it's not the way they think. They wish positive and then they think negative. Because what I was saying is that what they think in their conscious mind and what they feel in their subconscious mind is two very different things. So I can, let's say it's raining outside. I can keep saying that the sun is shining and it's a beautiful day and it's 70 degrees outside. But if I don't actually believe it with my whole being and the heart, then it's completely worthless. So when we hear about miracles happened after prayer, they do happen, but only when the person actually, truly with their heart, believes in what they are asking and 
creating with the vibration of their words first their thoughts then their heart and then they create it into existence without actually believing it it's never gonna come into existence and that's the law of energy and then what they do they blame god <laughs> but in reality it's up to us and that is why why it's so important to learn about ourselves and to know thyself how they say know thyself because once you truly understand and you truly know your true authentic self there is no walls front of you that you can go through or climb through you become unstoppable you become happy and you bring forth to the world these same very same qualities i really hope that this episode helped and um I have two book recommendations for you. I already said one, which was Napoleon Hill's book, but I actually have that one just came to my mind. But I actually have two book recommendations that I would like to bring to your attention. So one of the book is called The Power of the Subconscious Mind, and it's written by Joseph Murphy. And the other book is Psycho Cybernetics, and it's written by Maxwell Maltz. So it's again psycho cybernetics by maxwell watts and the other book is by joseph murphy called the power of the subconscious mind coco channel once said hard times arouse an instinctive desire for authenticity and i really love the quote from eckhart tolle he said only the truth of who you are if realized will set you free so please don't trade your authenticity for anyone's approval simon sinek said authenticity is more than speaking authenticity is also about doing every decision we make says something about who we are A quote from charlie chaplin as i began to love myself I found that anguish and emotional suffering are only warning signs that I was living my own truth. Today I know this is authenticity. I would like to wish all of you a beautiful week. And there is a song from Robbie Williams called Love My Life. And I use it as like a day starter mantra because the song is beautiful and it's speaking to me all the time it's giving me really high vibes and when you listen to the lyrics and when you sing it along it can truly change your life i want to read you the lyrics because i don't want to put the song here i don't want to get deleted <laughs> for violations but this is the lyrics tether your soul to me I will never let go completely. One day, your hands will be strong enough to hold me. I might not be there for all your battles, but you will win them eventually. I pray that I'm giving you all that matters, so one day you will say to me, I love my life. I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am free. I love my life, I am wonderful, I am magical, I am me, I love my life. I am not my mistakes, 
and God knows I've made a few. I started to question the angels, and the answer they gave was you. I cannot promise there won't be sadness. I wish I could take it from you. But you will find the courage to face the madness and sing it because it's true. I love my life. I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am free. I love my life. I am wonderful. I am magical. I am me. I love my life. Find the others with hearts like yours. Run far, run free. I am with you. I love my life. I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am free. I love my life. I am wonderful. I am magical. I am me. I love my life. I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am free. I love my life. I am wonderful. I am magical. I am me. I love my life. And finally, I am where I wanna be.